Hi everyone, I'm Courtney Stewart. I'm the Vice President of Strategic Communications at Missouri Foundation for Health. On behalf of the 2020 judging panel for the Clarence B. Jones Impact Award, I'm so excited to announce to you today, this year's winner. The winner is A Step Ahead Chattanooga. A Step Ahead Chattanooga ran an energetic, culturally targeted, evidence-based campaign with relatively limited resources to empower women to make informed decisions about their own reproductive health. They overcame deep cultural taboos to destigmatize reproductive justice in a region where the issue has been largely ignored. Please join me in congratulating the 2020 Clarence B. Jones Impact Award winner, A Step Ahead, Chattanooga. Thank you, Courtney and the entire judging panel. What a humbling experience it is to receive this award from the Communications Network in, in Dr. Jones's name. We are just so incredibly grateful to be honored in this way. And thank you, Heinz Endowments, for making all of this possible. I want to start this afternoon just by tossing a few numbers by you. First number is two. Two is the number of children that the average American woman wants to have. Makes sense, right? And three is how many years that woman will spend either pregnant, postpartum, or trying to become pregnant. So three years to get those two kiddos. She's also going to spend about three decades 30 years of her life trying not to become pregnant. That is one third of the average American woman's lifespan thinking about pregnancy prevention. 65% of women in the US right now are using some form of birth control. And 99 is the percentage of Americans who've ever had sex that have used at least one form of birth control in their lives. So birth control and pregnancy prevention is something that is a real and relevant part of our lives as adults. And yet, it still makes a lot of people squirm and blush it's difficult to talk about sometimes because if you're talking about birth control, you're talking about sex. And that makes people uncomfortable, especially here in the South. Today, I'm gonna to walk you through our journey and share how we, a Step Ahead Chattanooga, a tiny little nonprofit that started in 2014 has worked to normalize the conversation around sex and birth control in Appalachia. So let me tell you a little bit more about Chattanooga. This is Chattanooga, Tennessee. Isn't it beautiful? We're here on the, on the Tennessee River. And this picture is a far cry from the way that Walter Cronkite described us in 1969. He actually called us out on the evening news as the dirtiest city in America. Chattanooga has made a remarkable turnaround in the past few decades. 
We now have this bustling and thriving city center and a sparkling riverfront that locals and tourists love. In recent years, we've even been named the best town ever by Outdoor Magazine. And this time of year is a great time to visit. We've got apple orchards and pumpkin patches and corn mazes. And if you look up at our crystal blue skies in September or October, you might even see a few hang gliders launching from Lookout Mountain. That's the mountain that you see there in the distance. And yes, this is the same Lookout Mountain from Dr. King and, and Dr. Jones's I Have a Dream speech. At times, living here in the Tennessee Valley is almost idyllic for some, but like a lot of other cities and regions in the U.S., there are racial and socioeconomic disparities and a widening gap between the haves and the have-nots. We have lots of beautiful new luxury downtown apartments in our city, but yet each night, over 600 homeless individuals sleep outside on our streets or in shelters. And in Appalachia, it's often geography that plays a role in these disparities. Over the mountains in some of our surrounding rural counties where I happen to live, you'll find beautiful countryside, hills and valleys. It's so peaceful, but you also have communities with very high unemployment rates that have also been devastated by the opioid epidemic, for example. And while Chattanooga, here in our city, we boast the fastest internet speeds in the U.S., there are many rural pockets just a half hour from here where you can't pick up a cell signal. There are also barriers to health care in our rural areas. In Tennessee, 400,000 women live in what we call a contraceptive desert, which is a county where there isn't reasonable access to a health center that offers all the birth control methods. It's not uncommon at all for a rural public health department to only have a provider in the office one day a month that can perform IUD or implant insertions. And politically speaking, this is the Bible Belt. We have been called the most churched city in America by Barna Group. 60% of our residents report attending church services at least once a week. And it's no surprise that if you were to visit here and you attended a business luncheon in Chattanooga, chances are it might begin with a prayer. You'll often see students voluntarily and individually praying in public at school sports events, but you won't find those students in sex ed class because here in Tennessee, it's not required. It's only after a county has a teen pregnancy problem, which is defined as 19.5 pregnancies per 1,000 students, that a family life program is mandated. And then abstinence until marriage is stressed. In fact, teachers and outside instructors and presenters can be fined $500 if they discuss not only birth control, but any activity that can be seen as a gateway to sexual intercourse. And yes, this is the current law here in 2020 in Tennessee. So it's in this very conservative environment that A Step Ahead Chattanooga began in 2014. And right out of the gate, our local founder, Rachel Schulson, 
she did something brilliant. Beginning with our launch party, Rachel didn't just invite friendly faces and known fans and supporters. She made sure that a wide range of community members were present. Democrats and Republicans and those who were openly pro-choice and pro-life. And she got them in the same room and rallied these folks around a very centrist idea. Prior to the official launch, Rachel and members of the Exploratory Committee went out in the community and talked to various people and they listened to the values that were important to people in this community. And by listening, they found that the one thing that most everyone could agree on was that it's better for a woman to not become pregnant until if and when she is ready. So we listened and we framed our message in a way that mattered most to our local audience. And prevention became the foundational message of our work. Prevent unplanned pregnancies and you prevent abortions. Prevent unplanned pregnancies and young women can stay in school and complete their education. Prevent unplanned pregnancies and women, families, and communities are healthier. Birth control is just the means to an end. So we framed ourselves as a prevention-only organization, serving as a resource for women who wanted to prevent pregnancy and get ahead in life. And conservatives listened, and liberals listened, and almost everyone got it. And some people might say we took a safe route, but this approach wasn't chosen based on safety, but rather on inclusion a message that would resonate with our entire community. It was the right message and the right approach for this particular area. So now we had this broad base of supporters from progressive individuals to churches. So it was time to get out in the community with this message and do what we said we were going to do, which was to provide information about and give free access to long-term reversible contraception. That was our mission, just those two things. We're gonna educate people about all forms of birth control and then remove the cost and transportation barrier that women face obtaining IUDs and implants, which were really effective methods of birth control, but also really expensive. Any woman qualified, regardless of her income or her insurance status. But this is challenging work. It's challenging getting your name out there. It's especially challenging when you can't go into public schools with your message. And initially we didn't have any advertising dollars. And when I said we were tiny, I mean, we were tiny. We only had two full-time staff members. So how do you go out and reach women who need and want free birth control services when they don't know a service like this exists and they may not even know what an IUD or an implant is or what their birth control options are. We had to get our name and our message out there so we could offer services. So we hit the streets. We went to health fairs and job fairs and community events. You name it, we were there. Hundreds of events happening all over town. And we went there with our logo on our tablecloth and our, our three-sided display board. And we had IUD and implant samples and we talked to people. And then we realized early on that when you have a sensitive topic like birth control, you need to pay close attention to who is delivering the message. 
Research shows, and we saw for ourselves, that people are more comfortable talking about uncomfortable things with people they can relate to, to their peers. So we needed effective messengers. So we formed our very first community outreach team. And here's a picture of that very first team we put together, thanks to a small grant from a local giving circle. We formed this group of diverse women ranging in age from 16 to 30. They were white, black, Asian, Latina, bilingual. We had a high school student, some college students. There's a stay-at-home mom in there, a professional businesswoman, a nurse. And we trained them on how to connect with people in the community and how to find commonalities for discussion. And as always, we kept the focus of our message on prevention. And we found that the best structure for this group was to make them our independent contractors. And we paid them a good hourly wage for their hard work. And they loved the work and the community loved it. You can actually watch a video of our third outreach team in action. You can find that on my speaker page or on our website, stepaheadchattanooga.org. I think you'll really enjoy seeing them in action. So now we had a core message that was resonating with most people. We had on the ground messengers blanketing our community. So our third approach, or this time it was a wish, was to have an effective advertising campaign. We had a dream to have bus ads and billboards and radio and social media and television. But how does a relatively new nonprofit with a limited budget and only two, and at this time we were two and a half employees, we had added a part-time staff person, how does this small staff launch a fantastic ad campaign. We were only able to do it with grant funding. We asked an anonymous foundation specifically for advertising dollars and they said yes. And with $45,000, we were able to contract with local creatives, graphic designers, and a gifted storyteller. And by utilizing focus group research shared with us by another much larger contraceptive access organization, we came up with our hassle-free, worry-free, for-free ad campaign. Here's our very first billboard. Prior to this campaign, we had been stressing in our literature and in all of our conversations that IUDs and implants were great because they were 99% effective and they lasted three, five, or 10 years. But the focus group research we studied said that women didn't really care about those things. Effectiveness of birth control was assumed and the long-term aspect wasn't a factor because a woman could always get it removed. What women wanted most was something low maintenance. So this shifted our message, again, that came by listening to our audience and stressing what they value most. It worked. We launched this campaign in early 2017. And by the end of the year, the number we had served doubled. We had hit on something. In 2018, we were still going out in the community and participating in lots of events. And we received an opportunity to throw out the first pitch at a Chattanooga Lookouts game, which is our local minor league baseball team. 
And we were invited to set up a table and talk to fans about our work. And we were excited because this was the biggest event ever that, that we had been invited to attend. And then we, we panicked a little because this is Chattanooga and baseball games are really family friendly. And we knew there would be parents and grandparents with their little kids in tow. And we've gotten pretty bold, but we didn't want to push it. So we brainstormed with our small staff and thought, how can we get our message out and our name out there to potentially thousands of people in one night without making people uncomfortable or even offending people? So here's what we hurriedly decided on. We come up with a message that didn't mention birth control at all. And this is the simple, just kind of cutesy message we came up with. And we put it on a fan because it gets really hot and humid here in Chattanooga in the summer. And our outreach team distributed these fans confidently to adults and kids and people of all ages that night. And then we did the same thing at outdoor music festivals. And not only did people accept the fans without hesitation, but people loved the empowerment message way more than we ever expected. And they told us so. People would take a fan and they would take a, a few steps and walk away and read what it said. And then they would turn around and they would go, yeah, women. And then they would come back and they would say, so what is a step ahead Chattanooga? People just loved this message of empowerment. This was a light bulb moment for us. We knew that birth control was empowering to women. We often talked about it in small circles or when we were talking with donors or we even wrote about this in our grant proposals. But that theme had not been a part of our widespread messaging until then and this sort of accidental campaign. So with this new realization, we thought, okay, how can we, how can we take this a little further? So we gathered our small staff and we pulled in our favorite graphic designer and during a brainstorming session for a t-shirt design, because we thought if people really love paper fans, they'll, they'll really love some nice t-shirts. Our Women Can campaign was born. And you'll see some members of our community outreach team modeling our t-shirts. There they are in the Women Can shirts. And it was from this two-word t-shirt slogan. We asked our videographer to create something for us that we could use on our website and social media and television. And this is what that video looked like. When I was young, I wanted to be the kind of girl who wasn't afraid to do something, even when, when it, it seems scary. You can take a deep breath and then reach and have the confidence that I know what I'm doing. To be someone who can imagine a world and then create it. Sometimes that means leaving home to figure out who you are. Or saying yes to that big job even if it completely freaks you out. It takes guts to put yourself out there. And when you fail, it's okay to start over and try again. I decided to take a new job, and it's wonderful, but scary. Because as she grows, I have to teach her to be brave. 
Brave enough to be her own boss. And brave enough to love. Throughout my life, I've learned to take the opportunity because I believe that no matter what, I'm stronger on the other side. You'll notice that our only mention of birth control is in the website name at the end, birthcontrolforfree.org. And I'll also note that all of the women in the video are actual Chattanoogans doing their thing. They're not paid actors. And that really lent authenticity to our message. After this video released, we started using the hashtag WomenCan on social media, and we started sharing positive stories about women accomplishing amazing things. And we threw that in our mix of talking about birth control. And our client service numbers skyrocketed. In the first quarter of 2019, we were serving 94% more women compared to the same period in 2018. To date, we've conducted over 23,000 conversations about birth control in our 11-county, mostly rural region of Southeast Tennessee. And because of our work, 3,974 Appalachian women have received free IUDs and implants. Nearly 4,000 IUDs and implants privately funded by individuals and churches and foundations and businesses who believe that access to birth control improves lives. And you can see a full list of our amazing supporters on our website. Behind every one of those numbers is a story. And that's what I wanted to leave you with today. Last fall, one of our community educators was conducting a birth control education presentation to women residing at a local domestic violence shelter. And after the class, a young woman came up to our staff member and told her that she had the Nexplanon birth control implant in her arm and it had expired over two years ago. She was unemployed. This woman was uninsured. She hadn't been able to afford a removal, much less a replacement. And this young woman went on to share more of her story of how she had experienced a very traumatic childhood. She first became a mom at 16, and now she was in her early 30s, and she's the mom of, of a now teenager, plus she has a five-year-old. She had completed one year of college a few years back, but mom duties and life situations didn't allow her to continue. But now, thanks to the help from the domestic violence shelter, she had just applied for a job at a large local insurance company, and she was on her way to getting stable housing. But of course, an unplanned pregnancy and another child could set her back just when she's gaining traction in her life. She was really desperate for our services. And promptly at 9 a.m. the next morning, I mean, nine o'clock on the dot, she called us to make an appointment with one of our medical providers so she could get the Nexplanon implant replaced. However, the provider that we connected her with had a three-week wait. And one of our appointment line volunteers sensed her urgency and offered to call another partner clinic to see if they had any immediate openings. And they did. 
And while we had her on the phone, we learned she didn't have a ride. She was without a car. So we provided transportation for her too. And by 9.15, an Uber was on its way to pick her up for her 10 o'clock appointment. She received her choice of birth control that day. It was simple. It was easy. It was free. But most importantly, it enabled her to pursue her goals and dreams without the fear or risk of another unplanned pregnancy. This is very rewarding work, and we're fortunate that our clients call us up some time and email us and let us know how much our services have improved their lives. Another one of our clients is named Erica, and you can watch her story actually on the video page of our website. It's a sevenheadchattanooga.org. You can click on Get Educated and then Videos, and you'll hear how free access to birth control has impacted her life. That's Erica's story. A Sebahead Chattanooga took birth control, something that was not talked about openly, and we, we reframed it. We linked contraception to self-determination in a way that was non-threatening. We met people, the people in our community, where they were at. And connecting those dots for people in both our internal and external messaging has enabled us to not only lessen the stigma around birth control in the South, but help the women of our community live life on their terms. Thank you. And I think now we're going to have a few questions. We are, and we're going to call a little audible. I'm going to join you and try okay. to help manage some of the questions, Susan. Awesome. I am glad and grateful for your story. And maybe that's the place we should begin. Uh, if folks go to the website, one of the things they're gonna see is that you all lead with stories. And that the people who lead in those stories are not, as we saw in that commercial, it's not you, it's not the staff. Right. Why is that? Yeah, you know, we're, when you look at all the videos on our website, everyone features either real clients, real community members, um, real Chattanoogans. Um, we have um, one video, there, there's a woman um, who appears with her child. It's a great video, it's in, it shows them in a park and then it shows her actually in a doctor's office getting services. She's an actual client that um, have, have a great story with her. She called us up for services. She had um, just moved to town. She and her husband, her husband was in between jobs, so she was uninsured. She had three children, wasn't looking to have another one, and she could not afford an IUD. And um, she had had an IUD previously, and she loved that method of birth control and wanted one, but she couldn't afford it. And she called us to make an appointment and she asked, is this really free? And we're like, yes, it's really free. And she asked again, are you sure? What's the catch? Is it really free? And we assured her, yes, it's really free. And we connected her and made her appointment. And then she hung up, she called back. I just wanna make sure, is it free? It's like, this is too good to be true. And um, she became a great friend of our organization. She became a volunteer. She appears in our video. Um, she has just done so much advocacy work for us. And it all started with her becoming a client. And we have multiple stories like that of women who they started as clients and now they donate $5 a month. Or now they answer 
our phone lines and help other women make appointments. So yes, everybody you see in all of those wonderful videos are, are real authentic people with real stories. I'm gonna try to put my specs on here, see if I can get some questions from our friends. Allison asks, do you find important differences in perception between those who live in rural areas and urban places that gets in the way of your work. So when we were talking, you were even telling us that Chattanooga, downtown Chattanooga feels a lot different than 20, 30 miles just outside the city. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we are in um, Chattanooga in, in Hamilton County, but our service area at a step ahead Chattanooga actually includes 10 surrounding counties. And the, the furthest out, you know, some of those counties may be, you know, 50 miles or so out. And each one of those counties, um, they have their own identity. And sometimes even, you know, when we talk about ourselves as being a step ahead, Chattanooga, you know, they may want to, uh, we have to really work about how we frame that because they want us to, they want to hear a step ahead Cleveland or a step ahead Dunlap because they have a lot of pride in their city and their town and their community and each community has its own its own vibe and some of our rural areas are um, more conservative more um, religious more um, not as progressive as some areas here in downtown Chattanooga. So one thing that we do, uh, actually just um, in, the, in the coming year, we're going to be doing a lot more outreach in our rural areas. And we're being very intentional about hiring our community educators. We're about to add to our staff about hiring community educators who live in these counties because we know that that's so important just from a trust level to get someone who is familiar with the community, knows the community members, and knows how to frame our message. It's, it's the same message and it's the same service, but how it's delivered is really important. And if we want to be the most effective to the most women, we, we have to keep that in mind. Next question comes from our friend Teodora, who asks, how do you bring men and boys, engage men and boys into this work? And I know you do. So curious how that's happened and, and what it's meant for you. Yes, we do. We actually um, are on our second ever community outreach team. We had um, a, a young man, 15 year old private school student. He's now in college. He's, he's hoping to become um, a doctor. And it, when we go out to events, especially community events, sometimes we'll have men walk by and they'll be like, oh, birth control, that's not for me. And they'll want to keep keep walking. But then when we have our men there that can engage them in conversations, they're like, hey, what's this? And we can connect with them. And then they realize like, oh, preventing pregnancies, this is an issue that's relevant to me because of my girlfriend or my wife. Or we've had, I know when we give um, presentations, a lot of times to social service providers, we'll have um, the providers themselves, oftentimes men, that will come and say, my daughter really has a hard time with her periods. How can I help her? Or I'm worried that my teenager may be having sex. How can I talk to her? 
about birth control or him about birth control. So um, it, it's very interesting. We have a lot of, of men that that get it and really support what we what we do. Okay, next question comes from our friend Ryan, who asks, from a comms perspective, how do you deal with those who are opposed to your work? Do you engage with them or do you just focus on putting out your message of empowerment? We, it, it, it's very interesting. And um, we, we talk to everyone about our message. And again, a lot of times we have, you know, we've even had people say to us like, oh, well, maybe I'm sure you don't work with you know, maybe the Crisis Pregnancy Resource Center. And although they may not, because they have their, their policies and they really focus on, on abstinence and maybe they don't want to have our cards about birth control in their office, we still meet with them and we still sit down with them. And again, we can all agree that it's better if a woman doesn't become pregnant until if and when she's ready. So she can avoid any crisis. And of course, there are going to be some people, you know, for various reasons that maybe even they're just opposed to birth control. And that's okay. We are a resource. We're a resource for women who are seeking our services. We're not going out pushing our services. We're not going out telling people this is what they need or what they want. We are an educational resource. We want to help women learn how their bodies work and learn about all the different options that are out there. And then if they're looking for one of these methods that we can help with, then that's where we come in and we can connect them with free access. But keeping our message on prevention and we're a resource for the community is really how we've been able to be very widely accepted among people who may not necessarily agree. Now. I think I know the answer to this, but maybe other folks won't when they go to the website. Hopefully they'll get a sense of it if, if they haven't, haven't visited already. The communications work that you've done, particularly the video work, is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Where'd you get the money to do it? And how much did you have to spend? Uh, it looks like a Madison Avenue campaign. Is that a million dollars, $10 million? Our, our first ever grant that we got for advertising um, was $45,000, but that covered everything that covered our you know the creative the the literature the the radio the billboard the bus ads um one video was thrown in there um we've had multiple funders since then that have helped us pay specifically for video work and we have amazing videographers the women can video um Mary Helen uh, Montgomery and Rachel Porter put that together. Rachel Porter is a fabulous storyteller who works with us. Um, she's done all the rest of our videos. And, and is she another, local to you? She is local. Yeah. All of you the people local. that we work with, our graphic designer, our videographer, they are all locals and they're all passionate about what we do. And um, that's so key. Having a passionate staff having passionate contractors because we're still we're still a very lean staff but we contract with local people who are experts in their field that are passionate about the work we do and it's, it's been successful will you talk to me a little bit I, I, i'm sorry we didn't get a chance to show erica's story because i think it's pretty powerful but what really struck me i was watching with my wife dana the other night in anticipation of getting to visit with you today and we were both struck by the story was not about you all. The story was not about, she spoke quite plainly about access to birth control, but the whole story was about 
what opportunities were afforded her, who she has become, who she is becoming because of the work you provide. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that was not by accident. No, no, um, it wasn't. Um, Erica is an actual A Step Ahead client. That's how we met her and um, we we came to know her is because she received services through us. And again, women, they thank us and they send us emails and voice messages and they they thank us and we connected with her that way. But our, our storyteller, our, our videographer, really wanted to hear how birth control, what that meant, the, the you know, the end of it, you know, what that meant for her, especially as you know, someone from North Georgia and in, in Appalachia with coming from a small community where there weren't many opportunities for her and how, you know, a, a family history of, you know, poverty or, or substance use or even um, unplanned pregnancies, how that tends to be generational a lot of times, especially here in Appalachia and how, she knows that she is on her way to do great and amazing things because she didn't have an unplanned pregnancy that could have could have held her back from accomplishing the things that she wants to accomplish. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful story if you have a chance to go check that out. And we just put it in the chat. So folks who are watching along with us right now, hopefully they'll get a chance to check that out. Uh, you got a master's degree at Liberty University not in communications? No, um, I did not. My, my bachelor's degree was in anthropology here at UT Chattanooga. I'm a local person. I've lived here my entire life. Um, and then I was a banker for 17 years and decided that I, I, I really felt a call to go into nonprofit work. I really thought I would become a case manager and really work. Well. I'm an adoptive mom and, and poverty prevention and kids in foster care. That really resonates with me. And I needed a master's program that I could do while I was working and Liberty had an online program. So I got my master's in human services um, counseling and then heard about a step ahead. And it, it wasn't a job I was looking for. It was a part-time office manager position that I heard about at a step ahead. But when I heard about the mission, I just knew I wanted to be a part of it. So um, I took the part-time job and, and here I am Five years later, um, I've, I've been executive director for the last year, and it's been amazing to watch this organization grow and, and getting to work beside our founder, Rachel Schulson, our first executive director who, who brought this program to town and worked beside her. It, it's just been amazing and remarkable and so rewarding to see um, all, all the many women that we've helped through the years. And you just hired your first ever comms director, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, first time ever. She's she's brand new, just a few weeks on the on the job, and we're so excited about having our first full time in house uh, marketing communications person. And so you you've spoken this across the better part of this last half hour, but but how much of communications has played a role in the success that you all have seen? Uh, and, and was that where you did that a surprise you? Does that does that meet your expectations? You know, I, I think I, I talked about how just from our that, you know, we were serving women. You know, women were hearing about us. Um, we always ask women when they come to us for services, how they hear about us. And even today, 
friend and family member is the number one referral source. Of course, that may mean that their mom heard our radio ad and then told them and, and they say, well, my mom told me. But we were seeing average numbers. I mean, literally our phone used to ring one time a day, maybe, for a woman wanting services. But once we launched that first advertising campaign, it I mean, it was almost immediate. Women were calling us. I heard you on the radio. I saw your, your bus ad. Hey, I saw that billboard. It was unbelievable. It doubled our numbers. It, it was almost not quite overnight, but it was a very quick progression of the number of women that were calling us, um, just how much it, it went up. And then when we threw in that empowerment message and that empowerment piece, and we started doing more videos and really being intentional about our positivity message, even on social media, our numbers have just continued to climb. When you were elevated into the role of executive director, did you see yourself as, a, as communications as being a key component of your job? That's so interesting because it's so integral. You know, I'm I'm not even like a social media person. I mean, I have a Facebook, but, you know, uh, that's just not my thing. But I know good messaging when I see it and I know what resonates. I've, I've been in this, you know, work long enough. I know and I did outreach for a couple of those years. So I've talked to people and I know what resonates with people and I know good messaging when I hear it. And I know the value of working and contracting with the experts. And it, it's so much, you know, sitting in, in, in this chair is so much about integrating our outreach and our advertising and our marketing and our messaging and the whole picture. So while yes, you know, communications is not my specialty and I have no academic training in that area at all. But again, working with the right people and passionate people and listening, you know, what we've heard just by talking to our community and really listening to that feedback and adapting and, and changing has um, has really made just such a huge difference. Last question, because you've been incredibly generous with your time. It almost certainly is the case. I mean, I'm a Virginia boy, so I have a sense of, of a little bit of what it must be like down there in, in Tennessee. And it's got to be a few folks who don't like what you do. Hmm. How do you engage with those folks? Do you engage with those folks? What does that look like? What does it feel like? You know, surprisingly, we have very few people that have just, you know, sort of said, no, we, we don't want anything to do with that. Because a lot of times people start off kind of briskly. You know, they may hear what we do and they say, oh, but what about abortion? And then we can say, we're not about abortion. We're about prevention. We provide birth control. And when we provide birth control and a woman doesn't get pregnant unintentionally, then she doesn't have to think about abortion. And we know that preventing unplanned pregnancies prevents abortions. So we're all about prevention. And once people get that and their mind, you know, sometimes you have to connect the dots for people. And when they realize oh, okay, yeah, well, of course. And then they think like they know someone. I know when I was doing outreach, 
I used to always start every presentation by saying, how many of you in the audience know someone somewhere in your life, maybe not yourself, but someone, friend, neighbor, cousin, person down the street, someone you went to school with who's experienced an unplanned pregnancy, who got pregnant when they weren't planning to. And almost every hand always goes up. And then people realize like, yeah, this, this is like a real problem. And it's a problem that is all around us. So when you make it relevant to people and then you talk about prevention and you don't go into um, sort of those, those gray areas that are controversial and you stay on task and on message of prevention, people, the majority of the time, are really appreciative then of the work that we're doing. And we certainly are. We've learned a lot. You have just taught us all a ton. And we are so grateful that you are the 2020 Clarence B. Jones, spit this out properly, the 2020 Clarence B. Jones Impact Award, because you're clearly having a tremendous impact. Uh, We are grateful that you are joining Desmond Mead from the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition and the incredible folks at the Truth Initiative. Your story is going to do a lot of good for a lot of people, perhaps most of all, because you did it without a lot of resources and yet tremendous impact in the community that you serve. And maybe that's the biggest thing. You led with listening and love. Deeply, deeply grateful. Thank you very, very much, Susan, for your time. Thank you again. This has been um, such a humbling honor. I just can't thank you all enough. Well, we are in service to you. Thank you.